Welcome back to Coffee with Kojo. I'm your host, Sam Schauer, and today we got a producer, Rocky Daly, as our interview guest. So, welcome, Rocky. Hey, thanks for having me on this side of the microphone. Oh, you know, it's always nice to see you over there, talking to you, and you're <laughs> usually you're just sitting back there. So Usually, you know. yeah, I'm just kind of a creeper in the background, but today I'm on, on the mic, so. On the mic. You're, and you're going to kill it, I guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate your confidence in me. <laughs> All right, Rocky. First question I just want to ask you is just, you know, where are you from? Where so, you, were you born? So I'm from South Dakota originally. I, I grew up in a little town called Henry, which is uh, west of Watertown and east of Clark. Uh, for those who always ask me, where is Henry? That's what I say. And if they ask me where Watertown is, I'm like, you know, it's just, just, it's just a small town in South Dakota, <laughs> you know, um, just to give you some sort of reference. So, uh, yeah, I went to school there, uh, you know, small school. Um, I think it's uh, – I know it's collaborating with other schools on sports now, but at the time when I went there, football was the only thing we were doing with another school. So that that's where I grew up. And, um, hey, yeah, so long story short, Henry, South Dakota, home of the Owls, or it used to be. Yeah, did you, did you do, like, anything like journalism clubs, or did they have that in Henry at all? You or? know, Sam, there were 11 in my graduating class, and that was a large class for that school. So... Not a lot of extracurriculars outside of sports, and even sports, I mean, there really wasn't um, tryouts. You just showed up. So I was on the basketball team. I was on the football team for a while until I, you know, just because I showed up. I didn't play. <laughs> I was terrible at it. I didn't understand football. I'd never watched it before, but my dad had played it. So I got to go out for football, and, and every kid knew the game, and I didn't. So that was very awkward. But, yeah. So, yeah, there weren't really any academic you know, opportunities. You know, I did do some writing. I did have a, a poem published, I think. Uh, and I forget what that was published in at the time. But, but yeah, that was, it was, there weren't a lot of opportunities for journalism at Henry High School, Home of the Owls. Okay, okay. So then, obviously, you took your amazing broadcasting and writing talents as, like, as like a kid, <laughs> and you took it to SDSU. How did you get to SDSU? Um, well, I, you know, I, I knew I wanted to go to a school in South Dakota. I mean, I was I was a pretty shy kid. I, um, you know, I definitely wasn't ready to be that far from home when I graduated high school. And, you know, I looked at USD and I looked at SDSU, and um, I knew I wanted to do something with storytelling. And a lot of my friends were coming to SDSU, and then, you know, I came up as a freshman and did the tour. And uh, at the time, we were a department of MassCom, and I was really kind of impressed because we had the faculty were all, they had all been working professionals for 20 plus years. So they all really kind of knew the craft. And, and at the time, um, you know, print and broadcast were the two choices you had in journalism. So I went the broadcast route. Uh, and then, um, yeah, so I didn't come here with any skills at all. <laughs> you know, I had never picked up a camera before, you know, and basic photo was kind of the class that Frank, Frank Locke was the instructor. I think his first year here was when I was a freshman, and he's really the one that kind of got me inspired um, with photography and really got me interested in that. Uh, and then that kind of that kind of led to me doing more, you know, video and photography storytelling than in front of the camera stuff, just because that really was fascinating to me. Was Frank like a graduate student, or was he like a full instructor? He was an instructor, so he had been a photographer at the Argus Leader for years. And had I think he had come up and done some summer sessions. He still he still lives in town. I try to get a hold of him every once in a while. Uh, but yeah, he just you know. And at the time, 
you know, we shot on film and we shot black and white because color processing was a lot more, a lot trickier. So it's just kind of fascinating because, you know, you took a picture, you didn't know if you did it right. And you would literally, I mean, we had a dark room where the Jaeger Media Center is now was a dark room. So we actually, um, so we, we had these little booths you'd go in in the dark and you had to practice how to open up your film in the dark, put it in the container and, and get it and shut. And then, you know, process it to develop it. And then we also had a, where we made prints. So we had an enlargers, which basically took the, the negative, shot light through it on photosensitive paper. And then you put it in this mix, which I remember Frank telling me, like when he's had little kids in there, they call it magic water. <laughs> Because I don't know if you've ever seen, like, a Polaroid picture. Yes. How you watch it develop. That's kind of what happened there. And that's when you figured out whether you screwed it up or not. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot. Of, it's not like today where you take it and look immediately at it. So that was just kind of fascinating um, to me, that process, and really learning about framing and how a photo could tell a story. Um, yeah, that is... Yeah, I, I can't, I'm going to be honest. I can't imagine living back then, winning, like, <laughs> dipping in the water. <laughs> We actually sold film, so we had a journalism club, and the way we made money is we would buy, you could buy bulk film, but it had to be put into the 35 millimeter canisters. So as a club, we bought the bulk film, put in the canisters, and then we also bought photo paper, and then we sold it to the basic photo class and the advanced photo and photojournalism classes, and that was kind of the way we did fundraising, which obviously you can't do now because... Because nobody develops film anymore. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Well, actually, I want to go back to something. So okay. you, you brought up how SDSU uh, only had um, writing, like like writing journalism and broadcasting journalism. Was yep. KSDJ not a thing back then, or um, it just was starting? So when I was a freshman, there was like a, like a planning committee or some sort of committee uh, that was looking into starting it, and I th- I think it kind of started with the students. Um, so I went to some of those initial meetings and, you know, some of the topics were, you know, dealing with getting, you know, an FCC license, getting a tower. I remember the big talk at the time was what the format would be because there was concern it would be competing with local radio stations, that they would lose audience. Um, and then, yeah, my, my senior year, which would have been 1994, well, 93, 94, I believe fall of 93 is when it went on the air. And. At that point, I was just, I felt I was too busy with things I was doing to be part of it. So I never actually got on the air, um, but I was part of the initial talks about it. So, yeah, that was kind of a big deal at the time. Um, I don't know if SDC had ever had a radio station before or they were trying to bring it back, but it was, uh, yeah, it was just starting back then. Starting. Okay, okay. So then uh, let's move on a little bit. So mm-hmm. you, gra- you graduate, you know, 4.0 honors, obviously. <laughs> And uh, you started your career at KSFY. What was? Uh, can you tell me about that? Yeah. So, um, you know, graduated, uh, and then you know, just started sending out well tapes at the time, actual you know analog tapes. Uh, we call them resume tapes. I, I'm, I don't know how they do it now. They probably just send you a file or a link to a website. But basically, you know, the work I had done in our advanced TV news writing class, and then the work I had done. I had interned at a TV station in Duluth, Minnesota summer for my senior year, so I had some work from there, and just kind of sent it out coldly, really, I mean, and um, got a call from KSFY at the time. They were actually looking for an editor-photographer, so at the time what that was, was um, like, I think three days a week I was editing 
for the newscast, which meant anything that a news that a reporter or photographer didn't put together, I did. So if there was any national news video stories, I would take, I would I'd have to record those off the satellite, edit those together. If we had you know our show open with different videos, I'd have to have those, and then yeah. If you, if you thought film was bad, wait to hear this. <laughs> so during the newscast, I'd have a you know rundown of when the stories went, and I had a stack of tapes, and I was in the control room, and I had three decks, so three playback devices. So I would have to put the tapes and the deck in order, one, two, three, and then it was marked on the script so the director would know when to take what we called VTR um, for that story. So I was always thinking three ahead. But I'd have to put them in and queue them up and make sure they were on the right frame to start. Uh, and if there was a change in the rundown, then I'd, all my tapes were out of order. <laughs> or what happened, not a lot, but what happened a couple times is I would forget which tape was playing. One time I rewound a tape live on air, uh, <laughs> which is a big no-no. Um, so, yeah, so I'd walk in literally with this stack of tapes and sit there and play them back and... Um, and then during the day, I'd always have, you know, about every half hour, there was a different satellite feed. I'd have to have a tape in. Um, and then the other two days a week, I actually was a news photographer, so I'd either go out with a reporter or by myself to, to cover, which is what I wanted to do. Um, but that was the job, so. And eventually, I was a full-time photographer and didn't do the editing anymore. Oh. Okay, that's good. That's good. So, um, so as, you're, uh, as you're an associate professor now, how did yep. you end up? Uh, coming back to SDSU. Ooh. Uh, uh, it's, it's a long journey. I don't know how much this you want to hear. Uh, so, yeah, so my first job was KSFI. I ended up shooting more than I was editing. And, you know, I knew I wanted to teach at some point, And I knew that I probably needed at least a master's degree to do that. So there again, you know, I put a tape together, work I did, and started sending it out and actually got hired at a TV station in Memphis, Tennessee, which really wasn't like my... My goal wasn't to go anywhere, really. My goal was just to see what was out there. Um, but this particular station had a program where they would actually reimburse you for your tuition. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So that was a big reason I went there. Um, it was a great experience there, too. You know, I'd, I'd never lived outside of South Dakota, so down in, like, the Mid-South. And just, you know, I got to make a lot of friends. I learned a lot there. And that was kind of one of the reasons I started looking. I kind of felt like I was ready for the next level or to be around people that could teach me other things. And then, you know, and then I was in grad school full time when I was there too. So I did get my master's there. And then at one point, for some reason, I must've been crazy. I thought I wanted to be a news director <laughs> and not a lot of photogs become news directors. News directors usually come from producers, news producers, or maybe reporters. There were a few stations out there with photogs as news directors, but part of my master's degree was also uh, journalism. Well, journalism administration, so it like had an administrative emphasis, journalism masters. So I took like some MBA classes and, you know, and then I just got to, after Memphis, I actually got hired as a chief photographer. So basically the, what I did was I hired, managed and scheduled and critiqued a staff of photojournalists at a startup news station in Chattanooga, which means when I got hired, they weren't doing news. They didn't even have a studio. So I was part of, you know, literally, literally like, helping unload the truck with the set and build the set and get everything going there. Um, and just seeing what, you know, the news directors at that level were dealing with. I'm like, you know, I don't think I want to do that. Are they still up today or? Uh, the station is, they're not doing news anymore. Okay. Um, they've, my understanding is, I think they've done similar what Dakota News did, which, okay. you know, several of them got together. Uh, 
I mean, that was a great learning experience. Um, and then from there, I, I, uh, I got a job as a, it was interesting because when that started up, there was a station starting up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I'd actually applied for it. Actually, I talked to the news director about that job. Um, ended up going to Chattanooga because the, the, the people going there were actually from the station I was at in Memphis, so I knew them. Uh, but it turns out, you know, a couple of years later, the, the guy they hired as chief photographer moved on, so that same station had an opening. So I went to Grand Rapids, Michigan, as a chief photographer there, and then when I was there, I actually started teaching as an adjunct at Grand Valley State University, um, just like an intro to broadcasting class, um, just to kind of get my feet wet, which was enough to give me enough experience that um, I actually got hired at Virginia Commonwealth University as their broadcast instructor. So there we actually, we, we did what's called a news magazine. So we did a half hour student um, news magazine program every month. Um, and it was team taught, so I, I taught in the, the, the class that created the content and also the production class, the studio class there. Um, and then also there I realized that, you know, if I wanted to move up within academia, I'm probably going to need a doctorate. Uh, just so happens then my wife got headhunted by a hospital. And when I say headhunted, I mean, like, in HR, headhunters are people that kind of keep their eyes out for, you know, other people they might want to hire. Yeah. So. That's what happened with my wife. She got hired uh, at a hospital in, in Billings, Montana, in there to do nurse recruiting. And so I went there with her, and, it, and I, the timing just happened to be that uh, Univer uh, University of Montana, or excuse me, Montana State. Boy, I can't believe I made that mistake. Ooh, Cat Grizz. <laughs> the Bobcats. Uh, they were just actually starting on their doctorate program a Billings cohort because uh, Bozeman's you know, about th three hours from Billings, and it's also over the pass. It can be rough. Um, yeah, and they just were starting that cohort in Billings, so I got to be part of that. And I think there were like 20 people that started that cohort and about five of us that finished it, oh. <laughs> which is pretty common for grad programs. Um, so I did that, and while I was doing that, I also was an online reporter at the Billings Gazette. So I got to work in newspaper, which at the time, and this is 2007, uh, at the time, uh, you know, the traditional newspaper folks weren't real keen on the online guy. <laughs> uh, they really resented online. Uh, it was really an odd experience for me, a learning experience, um, but definitely an, an odd experience. But it was interesting because that's just when, you know, Twitter, I think, started in 2007. So social media was coming in. And, it was, and what I did, I did a lot of multimedia projects for, mainly for the website. I did some stuff for the newspaper, very, very little. Um, well, I got my doctorate, and then uh, I did some public relations work at a nonprofit there for about a year before, and before thinking, all right, you know, I got all these degrees now. Let's, you know, let's drop a few lines and see what I get. And just, just so happened again that there was some faculty leaving this department. So one of my old professors emailed me and said, hey, we got openings here. Um, so I applied and got it, and I've been here nine years, if you can believe nine that. Years. This is wow. the longest I've ever held a job. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Well, I hope that means you're staying for a while, too, right? I, I Yeah, I think I've peaked. <laughs> um, I think this is it, <laughs> for better or worse. This is, <laughs> this is it. <laughs> this is it. Oh, my goodness. So as your associate professor, yep. what, what exactly do you do uh, in the School of Communication oh, and Journalism? As little as I 
possibly have to. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, I'm a tenure track, which means uh, that I part of my job, about 20%, is research creative activity. So, you know, I teach, I advise. I teach, you know, I actually got hired to teach and coordinate our grad online grad program and teach in honors. And then that kind of changed over the years as we had some faculty leave. Uh, but 20% of my time is supposed to be dedicated to do scholarly creative work. So that could be traditional research, um, trying to do, you know, presentations, publications at different conferences. Uh, the creative work is my documentary work. Um, so working on that and then tr seeking venues for that. Um, so that's where the other part of my time is. I usually teach three classes a semester, depending. Um, and it just so happens, you know, they've been, been online recently because of COVID and other things. I actually haven't taught in front of a class in a year and a half. <laughs> and, I, and I miss it. It just it seems weird. But uh, I will be again in the fall. So I'm looking forward to that. That's good. That's good. Well, speaking of documentaries, uh, I hear you're working on a documentary that's going to preview f tomorrow, right? So, or um, well, depending on when you listen yeah, to this, it's April eighth. Yes, yes. <laughs> Thanks for mentioning that, Sam. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the timing of this of this podcast. Yeah, so yeah, so I'm working on a documentary series that focuses on the history of broadcasting in South Dakota, and this kind of came out of just kind of my own interest in broadcasting and you know when you come into Jaeger Hall when you come in the bottom you see the newspaper hall of fame and then you come up the steps and you see we used the building used to be printing and rural journalism when I was a student and so there's kind of a little wall display that's got the old sign and it's got um, you know the some information on the Jaegers that the school is named after and then there's some pictures mainly of broadcasters because that's what the, the Jaegers you know mm -hmm. were into and I thought, well, you know, where's the representation for the people who've been significant in broadcasting in South Dakota? Did a little research on it, and there, there is a South Dakota Broadcast Association, and there, there's a Broadcasters Hall of Fame. At one point, it was uh, housed here. Um, we used to have a PBS studio over in Pugsley, and actually I found some old 60-millimeter film from the 70s of some of the induction ceremonies uh, for the Broadcasters Hall of Fame. Um, so I started poking around with that and then just started, you know, reaching out to people and trying to get some information on it and and realized, you know, there there was some information out there. Uh, but it, to me, you know, as a, broad, as a broadcaster, boy, this really should be some sort of broadcast form. Um, just kind of makes sense. So uh, then there, there came an opportunity at, at SDSU internally, uh, uh, RSCA, Research Scholarship Creative Activity Challenge Fund, which basically is designed to give faculty some kind of startup funding for a project they hope it's going to be long-term and it's going to, you know, benefit the university and the school. And so I actually, like, was going through my – it's cleaning out my inbox, and I saw it, and I'm like, oh, what the hell. Yeah. So I, I sat down and wrote a proposal, <laughs> thinking, oh, this will never – they'll never go for this. And they did. And I'm like, oh, damn, now I have to do this. <laughs> yeah. um, but actually, so, so I got some funding to get, to get some space and get some equipment um, – and, you know, started looking looking into it, talking to people. And really when I started, I was mainly just trying to get these people recorded. Kind of, you know, as morbid as it sounds while they were still with us. Uh, and then, you know, then I would have it and then I could put it in whatever form I could. But, you know, as part of the grant, I actually had to start producing some of the content. So it really became pretty clear that, you know, one documentary really wasn't going to do this justice. 
that you know, and to really focus on the personalities because we're talking about broadcasting and you know, broadcasting. When you're broadcaster, it's supposed to be a conversation with the audience. So it really felt like um, focusing on those personalities would be a good way to start. Um, so I started gathering content and really just kind of went with uh, the content I got first. And everyone I was talking to and looking, the name Verl Thompson kept coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I and just you know, as it is with a lot of this kind of historical kind of documentary work, you're really kind of you're really restricted by just the content that's out there um, in terms of audio, visuals, people. And I got lucky because of Verl's daughter Ginger, who's been a guest on this podcast. Actually, I think one of our one of our most successful ones. Yeah, I'd say. yeah. So um, yeah, I'm following up that one. Great. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so she had got her master's here at SDSU, and her thesis was on her father. Uh, and she had actually done her and her husband had a video, a kiss, uh, VHS tape. Kids at home, if you know what VHS is, Google it. <laughs> interview with her father, and I, and it was great. So. I mean, that was like, you know, hitting the jackpot if I could have that for, you know, everyone. So that, and then also talking to Ginger about it, and then I, I was also able just recently, actually, to track down somebody who had worked with him um, and actually who remembered, you know, being a kid and sitting outside um, the KSOO studio, like sitting on a railing looking through the window and watching him, and then when he was a teenager, asked for a job. Uh, so, yeah, so that so that was kind of, that kind of naturally or, organically became the first episode and you know I put it together and you know I reached out did a lot of uh, got a real a lot of really good support from the South Dakota Broadcasters Association just hooking me up with people actually they've provided a little funding so I can get some student help uh, so yeah that first episode and then our our school director uh, Dr. Westwick actually kind of took it and ran with it I mean I was not expecting this at all but actually we're gonna have a pr- have or had, depending on when you listen to this, premiere at the State Theater in downtown Sioux Falls. And it's um, it's kind of, it's it's a state-at-state state event, which I think is something that's pretty common throughout uh, SDSU. But we're actually going to have a screening of it, and we're going to, it's actually going to be a good way to promote the school and our programs, but also tie it to kind of an event. Um, so, yeah, so then, and then we're going to have a Q&A afterwards, so... The guy that likes to be behind the camera is now going to have to sit in front of yeah. 100 plus people and answer questions. So, yeah, that's that's where we are with that. And then you know the the plan is to have at least one episode a year, um, and then we're still kind of thinking of venues for that. You know, at, since it's episodic, it may be we have to have a few episodes together before we can broadcast it, or you know, we're looking at hosting it on a site. Um, we're still kind of working on how we're going to disseminate that just generally to the public. But that the screening is, is on April 8th. Okay, April 8th. Yep. Well, that's exciting stuff for sure. Uh, I just want to wrap it up quickly for you. Uh, I want to ask, what do you enjoy most about SDSU since you were a student and you are currently a faculty member here? What do you enjoy most about waking up every day and <laughs> walking to work or walking to school? And it's like, man, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a leading question at all, Sam. Um well, first, when I wake up, I thank God I woke up, and uh, you know, it. I you my my wife worked here for a while, and we would commute, and we would park in the lot by the stadium. So I'd actually walk from the stadium to Jaeger, and I kind of miss that now that I park right in the parking lot. I don't miss on days like today, yeah, or in the winter, but that 
about every time I did that, it would always kind of strike me like, wow, I walked on this sidewalk 30 years ago as a freshman. I had no idea what was going on. And now, you know, I'm a professor here. It's really kind of, it's kind of interesting. I mean, that it kind of, like I said, I've peaked. So I started here and I'm ending here. <laughs> that sounds morbid. Um, but yeah, you know, and, and I think if you have a good undergraduate experience, you have a emotional connection to your school. You get involved in the rivalries. It's not something I experienced in any of my grad programs. So, you know, I'm, I go to the football games and I cheer on the Jacks, you know, and I, I trash talk the Bison fans and, <laughs> and it and really kind of feels like home. And then to be, you know, now in the School of Communication and Journalism, it's really starting to feel a lot like when I was a student because uh, I think, you know, just with we're doing some exciting things in the broadcast curriculum. I'm really I'm looking forward to we're going to start to do more um, traditional broadcast stuff and that. So a lot of good opportunities for students. We're more we're working more with student media now. Uh, so I, I really I really like where we're going, and I think you know very shortly, if you know not even a few years, uh, we're definitely going to definitely going to be a much more competitive and a much better program than we've ever been before. I like that. That sounds great. Well, thank you for coming on the show, Rocky. Yep. Thanks for having me in front of the, the mic. And just don't don't ever ask me again. <laughs> <laughs> Our next podcast episode will be available on April 22nd. This podcast is the property of the School of Communication and Journalism at South Dakota State University, which reserves all rights to its use. Music by Cody M. Johnson and Tyler Addison James is licensed through AMP Music. Music.